Father Harrison, do you know what's good? Coffee. Coffee is good, yes. Pick another thing that is good. Jesus. Oh, very good. Pick one more thing. Hockey. Debatable. But the one good thing that I want to talk about right now is spiritual direction. Oh. Oh, it just so I went spiritual direction just this past Monday. Mm-hmm. It's one of those times when like I really needed it. Sometimes you go to spiritual direction, and you're like, oh, everything, you know, whatever is fine. But sometimes it's like, uh, I need to talk to my yeah. spiritual director. And this is one of those times. Mm-hmm. And it was just delightful. Nice. And it's it's something about just kind of not resetting yourself. Yeah. But because we didn't talk about anything, there were no like breakthroughs per se. But just kind of setting myself um, with my director, like back on the right track. Mm-hmm. Went to confession. That was lovely. Yeah. Tell us about and what now, you confessed. What did I'm, I confess? I'm just kidding. I confessed, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, oh, okay. We're not gonna. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Everyone is. No, I'm kidding. Everyone, you're bound yeah. by the seal if you hear this. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So that was good because this yeah. you know, past week, parish. There's a lot of stuff going on. And mm-hmm. It's driving me a little, a little, a little, a little tiny bit crazy. But it was good to kind of get back to basics with yeah. that. And also, Father Harrison. <laughs> I said no to some speaking engagements. Yeah, you told me I was impressed. Yeah, so it was nice. Like it was really nice that people reached out. A diocese asked me to give a uh, a keynote at their youth conference thingy. But I I like read the email and I just decided I just don't want to do this. <laughs> was it like uh, I don't want to do this because I just don't want to do it, or I don't want to do this because I don't feel like I'm the right fit, or it was I want I don't want to do this because I don't want to be a traveling speaking priest. Right, that's right. what hit me because I mean part yeah. of it was just there's so much stuff going on in the parish right now, mm-hmm. and I've um, taken some time away to do other things that have been you know uh, offered to me, um, uh, and just like you know what I need to be focused here right now. Mm-hmm. So even though this is a possibility, I'm just going to say no because. My job is parochial vicar of Holy Spirit Parish yeah, in Newcastle, PA, exactly. and I just need to focus on that. But so, and that, and then there was another one that was uh, local. I'm more willing to do local stuff, like within my own diocese. Yeah. But it was a Sunday night, and I was like, I'm not going to do something Sunday night. I'm just not going to. Hmm. Hmm. So I knew that those were the prudent decisions to make. Yeah. But after I made them and sent the emails, I felt guilty because like, oh no, I told people no. I know. Oh, it's, my it's terrible hard- priest now. Yes, it's the hardest thing for priests to do is to right. say no. Um, oh, I had a question for you, and now it just totally, totally just left me. The oh, when you have to do speaking gigs, do you have to like take holidays to do that or? Well, you technically should if you miss time, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But most of the speaking gigs I take, they're like sometime during the weekday and it's in the diocese. And then if I have time, I or just go. Or in the state. I, yeah. Like that's not such a big deal. Yeah. But this one was, I think this one was a Saturday or something. Yeah. So it have been tough. I would have to get um, time off for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's I the mean, hard thing with conferences too. They're on weekends. and like, guys, these are our busy times. Yeah. 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 It's tough to get coverage. Yeah. So. I yeah I I have the kind of the same principle. It's like I'm willing to do stuff if it's not going to interfere too much with my parish gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like actually in January I'm starting a little intro to theology class at our cathedral once a month, Friday nights and Saturday mornings, which is fine because if I book that off in time, it's just, I just go down to Victoria, come back, and it's fine, right? But it's different yeah. if it's I have to travel for a whole weekend. It's hard because A, that's holiday time, and B, I have to find a replacement and all that stuff. So I'm kind of a similar thing. It's like I'm willing to do stuff once in a while, but not. I don't want to be Father Mike Schmitz. <laughs> wow. 
I don't want to be. Well, no. There's all the shots you just fired. Whoa, whoa. I, okay, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying that he's. I'm not. Whoa. Okay. Come on. Come on. I'm not saying he's bad. No, he's really good. I'm actually very yeah. grateful Father Mike is out there traveling and speaking because he does a really great job. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to be that. Yeah, same. It's just, I, it's just that's something that I would have wanted to do maybe like even two years ago, but right now, uh, there's just too much other stuff going on. Yeah, it's just not what I where, feel. Where I'd say my heart is honestly with that, it's not so much like the speaking stuff in a way. It's more my my area is getting more and more. I would love to just be able to do more academic stuff. Yeah, that's where I'm going a little bit, but it's again, but still always within the context that my parish has a certain yeah. priority. But anyway, so I felt like super yeah. weirdly guilty. I knew I shouldn't, so I just I just talked to the priests and on the priest DM on the Twitters. Yeah. I was like, tell me this is okay. And you all told me it was okay, and now I feel better. There we go. And with all that said, now it's time for Clerically Speaking. Welcome. I'm Father Anthony. I'm Father Harrison. Oh, man. Um, I don't even know what to say. Yesterday was a horrible day, so... <laughs> horrible? A horrible day? <laughs> well, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about all this and... Did, did, did a goose of... come into your village in, in on your little Canadian island and terrorize you? No, the Canadian geese have gone south for the winter. Oh, okay. So they're terrorizing Americans, as is right and just. They are. Oh, yes. But no, have I've... you heard about this horrible goose game? Yeah, I've heard about it. It looks... It's delightful. It, um, it, what's delightful about it is watching Father Dan play it. Absolutely. So I think he's like at F yeah, I think he's FR Rocket Dan on Twitch and he's been playing this game called the Untitled Goose Game. And the basic premise is that you're a horrible, horrible goose who's terrorizing a village. It's delightful, very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. But he has a deeper theological insight on the whole on the whole storyline. <laughs> and check out his Twitch channel to, to learn more about that. It's, Sorry, it's, I cut you off. Oh <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't even know what to say to be honest. Yeah. I uh, I was not in a great headspace yesterday. I was so like after I had a meeting after mass, so like eight o'clock mm-hmm. in the evening. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I'm tired. I got nothing left in the tank. I, I was yeah, just emotionally man. exhausted after you. I I had the trolls come after me yesterday. We'll save the trolls for later, though. Yeah, we'll talk exactly. a little bit about that so, action. I don't really yeah. know what to say, to be honest. I'm uh, outside of that, I guess. How are you feeling this day? Okay. I woke up at like 4.45 in the morning. 4.45. Oh, oh, in the morning. <laughs> Holy moly, that is... <laughs> so I've had about a liter of coffee. And... Um, yeah, so I'm not as awake as I usually am right now, but... Uh, well, this, this stimulating conversation will wake you up. Exactly. Have you heard, have you heard the, the, old, uh, the old priest saying that a good priest wakes up at 5 o'clock twice a day? I've not heard this. Because you get it? Because you wake up early and then you take a nap in the day? Yes, I, I get that. You see, but I suck at naps. Yeah. This is a, this is a known fact. I, mm-hmm. I can't, because this is always my, my curse is I can't turn my brain off ever. Like, okay, so this is the this is the negative thing about having a CPAP. Okay, is that when you wake up, like if I wake up in the middle of the night like this, like four forty five, you're pretty alert pretty quickly. Oh, because you got. Some I've, I've been breathing properly, right? While I'm yeah. sleeping, and I'm like, so my brain turns on very like like that, and starts thinking, right mm-hmm. away, and I'm like, if I if I can't stop that within the first minute, it's over. I'm awake, and I'm just not okay. gonna be able to fall back asleep until nighttime. Well, so. you know who else had a brain, and he couldn't turn it <laughs> off? <laughs> nice. Thomas Aquinas. Nice. And in honor of that great saint, we're going to have the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. <laughs> 
Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. So first up is his tweet from, oh my goodness, so his, his handle is at UncouthBard, but his little name is Fat Man in a Sweater Vest, but Autumnal, which is, <laughs> that's there's a lot in there, there's, buddy. There's, there's, there's a lot. There. Yeah, but it's great. I love it. Okay. And he says, are you even Catholic if when you clean something, car, living room, bedroom, you don't find at least one holy or novena card? Or just any holy item whatsoever, like a rosary right? or something, right? Yeah, I wore a um, – I have, I have two two black suit coats. And yeah. one I hadn't worn forever. I keep it for special occasions. Yeah. And the other one I'll wear, like, more often. Yeah. And I wore it the other day, and I had an ordination card from an ordination I went to <laughs> last past summer. I was like, oh, look at that. Delightful. Yeah. So I said a prayer for uh, Father Anthony Federico. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, that happens to me all the time. Like, there's, like, rosaries here and there. People give you holy cards. I it's have, just – Yeah, I have, like, five different oil stocks. <laughs> oh, I need to do that. So – it's like I, I'm like I remember I was cleaning up my car on Friday. And I had to go to Vancouver, and I was driving my parents too. So good excuse to clean the car. And I'm like, oh, there's one of my oil stocks. <laughs> that this is a very priestly thing, or, or holy water bottles and stuff like that. Yeah, because you're going out to a cemetery and you just put it in the back seat of your car afterwards, and then mm-hmm. uh, it stays there. Yeah. So I had to clean up my car because my car is in the shop right now. It's. Uh got hit while I was at a restaurant. So this lady, she was very nice. She was very, she found me, she gave me all of her information, but she hit my car as she was pulling in to park. I don't know how she did it, but anyway, drop off my car, and my car is complete and utter disaster. Mm-hmm. It is just just garbage and mm-hmm. and vestments and, and Gatorade bottles, and just, it's crazy. So I cleaned all that up, and I found like five tab collars. Yeah. I'll find tab collars everywhere. I got like I bought like maybe a hundred of them. They're they're in my books as bookmarks. They're by my dresser. They're in my car. They're in my office. I just got tabbies everywhere. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. I know. I got tabs everywhere too. It's like I, I went into my library this morning. I'm like, oh, there's a tab. Okay. Yep. It's all right. Uh, so from uh, this one's from Tommy Ty uh, at the GH is silent. Anyone who has read the history behind the Pontifical Commission on Birth Control only to see how Humanae Vitae absolutely stayed the course, despite all the media hype otherwise, shouldn't be at all worried about the Amazon sit-in, no matter how much any troubling statements come out. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, first, again, none of this is new. Secondly, you know, maybe if if what you're hearing about the Synod is causing you distress, then maybe turn off the internet. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Seriously, because there are always going to be figures out there trying to speak and control and to change the tide on things. The church is the church, and um, she'll never waver from her teachings, ever. Do you really think that your sassy tweet or your blog post is going to affect anything? Well, exactly. More than than your prayer is? And if you really think that, then, like, come on, get over yourself. And not only this, so so for those who don't know, the Pontifical Commission on Birth Control actually pretty much said that 
you know what, maybe it's going to be okay to have some birth control in marriage in certain circumstances yes. and stuff mm-hmm. like this. And Pi- Paul VI said, uh, no. Right. No, right. And that's what shocked people. And that's what shocked everyone. It got out in the media yeah. that, that the Catholics are going to finally join the Protestants and everyone else in the yeah. allowing this, but the church didn't. So, right. so there. So, and that's a, that is an element of faith and morals, right? We're talking, mm-hmm. I mean, some of the stuff around the synod is around discipline now, but my other thing is this, like, so like the big thing is obviously around like the married priest thing. And like, just remember, folks, both Cardinal Willette and Cardinal Sarah are both at this mm-hmm. synod. And they both have been speaking very, um, with with great vigor about the positive nature of priestly celibacy. Yeah. And, um, and Pope Francis himself has said in multiple occasions that getting rid of celibacy isn't the right, right answer. So, yeah, I think people misread when Francis allows these things. He lets people talk. Yeah. He's very open. Like, you can talk about whatever crazy stuff you want to. He'll let you talk. But he's not going to necessarily change something. And here's the thing. And this is the deep, dark secret about synods. You know what synods are? They're just some people talking. Yeah, it's all consultative, right? Right. It's what, Which makes the German thing so weird because they want it to be not consultative. Right. But that's and, a whole other issue. And, and so, like, I was talking about this with uh, the CNA guys yesterday or at least with ed and we're just talking about this it's like people keep on worrying this is said and that is said but i'm like i'm looking he's like look at the past six and a half years what has actually changed in church teaching under the pontificate of pope francis the only thing that you mm-hmm. can po- g- give an answer to really is around the death penalty thing right but that isn't a change it's a development mm-hmm. those are different words folks um, is it a development i mean this is a whole nother thing i don't right. have time getting yeah, to this okay. but is it a development or is it like a um, uh, a change in pastoral or discipline thing. It's a, well, it's a, it's a development, in, or I guess it's a discipline thing because it's saying that as society is right now, the death penalty doesn't seem to be warranted. Essentially, yes. is what it's saying. So I it's, think it's two things. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's not saying death penalty um, can't be used. It's saying that where we're at as a society it doesn't seem to be warranted morally. Yeah. So that was John Paul's second thing, but I think what Francis has added to that. Is that right now with as the culture of death has progressed right we need to be even more so a radical witness to the sanctity of human life right so right now as a witness no death penalty yeah now again that's a whole other debate and discussion yeah. but um i guess but that's the only thing what about amoris letizia and a footnote what about the footnote and again i was just having another conversation with the cna guys about this <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> The only thing that's controversial, there's actually the, the thing that should be controversial in the document, no one's been talking about. Uh huh. Which is that, oh, now I got to find the quote because it was a really good point and I think it's important. And oh, yeah, no one can be condemned forever because that is not the logic of the gospel. That is a statement in Amoris Letitiae. And uh-huh. that the footnote is just saying what has been common pastoral practice at in general right and again you have to look at the you see the problem is people are trying to read into the text um out without more than what the text is intending to say right yeah but he hasn't changed anything there i mean how many okay and people might say well look at the bishops of brazil okay fine but that's a little different but i mean in universal magisterial authority nothing's changed yeah i mean the the has he come in and said get rid of this and this and this in liturgy has he come in? and i also think and I think this is important, folks, just to remember. I, I, I guess we're talking about Pope Francis and all this now, but um, 
he's from South America where leadership is expressed more through rhetoric than clarity. What I mean by this, and it's not a, it's not a snipe at him. I, I, what I mean by this is that it's a difference of style. Western people, European, North American, tend to look towards clear statements as a means of expressing authority uh-huh. uh, and, and expressing leadership. His is more of a style of, of just simple rhetoric of, of using flares, to, uh, like rhetorical flares to get a point across. Yeah. Um, and people like, like the Saturno thing, right? People, North Americans were freaking out about this. Why? Cause they took him literally. Yes. So the Saturno <laughs> yeah. is a hat. That, that looks like it has the rings of Saturn on it. Yes. And it's super cool. And now that I've seen one, I want to get one. <laughs> I have no desire for one. I'm going to wear the Saturno with jeans and a clerical shirt. Yeah. But anyways, Every day from yeah. now on. So he's just, he's making a rhetorical flair. He's not making a statement about the Saturno itself. That's a, right. You see, John Paul II or Benedict wouldn't do that because that's not their style. They're, they're European people. They're, they look more towards words of clarity. It's just a different way of expressing leadership. And I think the reason he allows a lot of this open debate too is then we can say, see very clearly where people stand. Yes. And when you know where people stand, then you know how to treat them properly and deal with them properly in, in terms of magisterium, knowing what, what is at the heart of your you know, Episcopal leadership, et cetera, in the church. Oh my gosh. I wasn't planning on going into any of that, but I think it was good though. Just, you know, the Pope's good guys. Yeah. Settle down. Uh, since we went deep with this one, let's do something a little more fun and shallow. (laughs) Yes. This is from Melissa Johnson and she's not shallow by any means, but this tweet is fun at ML Lynn Johnson, 72. It's a picture of a bun o coffee machine. And she says, if your parish hall don't have a bun are you even doing it right? <laughs> and it's funny because I was She's like... She's pretty right. <laughs> it's pretty right because I checked... Uh, just the other day, we have our um, youth group at one of the parish halls. I went in the back to make coffee, and sure enough, there was a bun drip coffee maker right there. And I was like, good, good. We are in accordance with the we too traditions of the Catholic Church. We too have a bun Yes. They have them even in Canada, so this yes. has to be a universal thing. Yes, absolutely. My only, my only, um, the only thing that brings me distress in that photo, mm-hmm. decaf. There is decaf. Here's the thing: we have to be merciful to our older parishioners. This is true. And they can't handle their coffee. They this can't handle that caffeine later, in, or even. And I understand that it makes you know That's it confuses funny. me, but we have to be able to to humble ourselves to lower ourselves for the weakest among yes. us who can only do decaf yes now um speaking of melissa i think she deserves some props she does because she blew up on twitter up on twitter with her post about the uh, whiskey pods doing a, a riff on a uh jumbo wamba song so if you didn't see this this is incredibly disappointing because glenn levitt which makes excellent whiskey one of my favorites they came out, I thought for sure it was a joke, these whiskey pods. So imagine a Tide Pod, but full of whiskey. And apparently you put this Tide Pod, like, <laughs> this whiskey pod in your mouth, and you kind of, like, bite down on it. It's it's so it's so disappointingly yeah, dumb. Yeah, But do you, do you have her tweet? Oh, I can find it, I'm sure. Um, she, it's, ah, blah, 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 blah. One oh, second. here it is. I got yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. He drinks a whiskey pod. He drinks a vodka pod. He drinks a lager pod. He drinks a cider pod. <laughs> yeah. 70,000 likes. Wow. Almost 8,000 retweets. Uh, I was very proud of her. She deserved that. And uh, uh, 
I, I laughed mightily hard and I was like, it was kind of getting some traction and then it just went out of control. Yep. And she deserves all of it because she is such a sweetheart on Twitter. And yeah, cool. All right. Uh, from C- at CC Pecknell, CC Pecknell. Um, we should encourage college students to get married and have kids early as a foundation for their lives and careers, not a capstone to them. Instead, we tell them to put off what is foundational and rush headlong into what is not. We wonder why we're, we're unhappy. I just, what I liked about this tweet is I think, yeah, so, uh, well, I mean, there's a few things that go through my head. First, you can even look at it from that practical standpoint of just like finances. Imagine if you're married in college, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to save money. <laughs> I mean, there is a little you're, bit of, yeah. You have that. But I think it's also this idea that this is actually the time. It's actually the perfect time to really get started. And, and because really this is the foundation. This is what your life is about. It's not, a, it's around this idea that, again, we find identity in work, not in vocation. And so we look towards going to college to get our degrees, to get a job. And then once we have those things, then we can do this marriage thing. It really ought to almost, our mindset needs to be reversed on that. I think a little, at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And um, like different people have different pathways in life and different things happen. And that's, you know, that's all this is about. What's about is what are we teaching young people and mm-hmm. what, what are the values we're placing in them and lifting up? And if it's not like if marriage and family life is like below career life then there's a problem there right if your if your primary vocation is below what you do for work then you've got discernment all kinds of mix up yeah. right so i yeah. thought that was good yeah cool well we're gonna get super clerical now yeah. even more so than usual in our presbyteral exhortations some clerical shenanigans good <laughs> and now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Oh. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh. It's the best part. Yes. Quite. Okay. So I'm a little hesitant to talk about this because we do this like clerical shtick on our show, right? It's part of it's part of the shtick, part yeah. of the jokes. Yeah, but there's something about talking, and we're gonna talk about uh, respect for priests. Has somebody um, been reading the Office of Readings? And was I reading the Office of Readings? I was. Yesterday's Office like, of Readings. <laughs> it was in there. Yeah. What, what, what was it? Saint Ignatius remember. of Antioch. Yes, 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 yes. I almost, I almost grabbed uh, um, Saint Ignatius of Antioch. Very much, very clearly teaches about how the hierarchy of the church is set up to reflect kind of the heavenly hierarchy in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. And you see your, and it's different in different places, or, or maybe we can mix up other people, but like seeing the bishop as the heavenly father, seeing mm-hmm. the priesthood as Jesus Christ, and mm-hmm. there's different ways he formulates it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of back to when we talked about uh, the church a few episodes ago, uh, and even obedience, mm-hmm. about how if you're not obedient to an earthly, uh, a just earthly authority, you're not going to be obedient to the heavenly authority. These things mm-hmm. are the visible and invisible natures of the church are, are linked just as Christ's visible and invisible natures are linked. Okay. But uh, you got you got in some hot water on Twitter because you decided to tweet something that was well thought out. Reasonable. <laughs> reasonable and clarifying. Yeah. And basically the gist of it was, and you correct me, was being aware of how different cultures are different and not necessarily incompatible 
with the gospel and to watch out for a Western mindset, which isn't kind of using the gospel as leaven for these cultures, bringing out what's best in them, but crushing them all as pagan garbage. Yes. Was that the gist of it? That was the gist of it. Yeah. It's just, just because it's a different, different culture doesn't always mean it's going to be pagan. Mm-hmm. And even like even gestures they do are not always a worship gesture or something like that. And yeah, we, we just tend to get, we tend to equate the gospel with a particular culture and that the gospel is actually deeply acultural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds, I think, reasonable, uh, rational. I mean, again, meant to be clarifying for those who may not understand that sometimes. We can't, yeah. it's easy to get stuck in our, our mindset to think the way we live our Christianity, this is the only way. I, I get that. Right. Um, but my gosh. The, what, the, troll, that, the trolls came out hard yesterday. I, I had to block like 70 or 80 people yesterday. And they mocked me for the blockchain. They said, Father Anthony, it's unpastoral. All those people, every single one that was coming after you, I already had blocked. Wisdom <laughs> prevails. So Father Anthony I was, was tempted. Right. However, there was one guy in particular who really went after me. And so he was like screenshotting me and people were RT and liking it. So I, I blocked everyone who liked his tweets and RT'd yeah. them and commented mm-hmm. on them negatively. I was called some pretty horrible things, a coward, the new James Martin, a left cath, all those fun things. And they yes. came out hard for me. So I just locked down for a few hours, walked away to regain my composure. Yeah. But I was just like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm trying to do my role as a priest, which is to teach and to help other people understand how the church Again, it's also my rule as a theologian to say, like, this is how the church understands things. Yeah. And, and like, I, I'm not speaking about this from just some, this isn't just my ideas. This is the fruit of study, of um, reflection, of understanding the heart of what the magisterium says, and just looking at history and culture in general. I'm not, I'm not, but, and, and there was, my other thing was, there was a lot of racism. Like, it was, there is. it was disturbing. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh my gosh, people, you need Jesus. And that's the big thing that comes from a lot of those commentators and bloggers is not not necessarily the racism thing, yeah. but their comments and their view of the church always seems incredibly devoid of the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Like the person of Jesus Christ is always secondary or tertiary to how they view the church and how they view the world. And right. that's incredibly distressing. Right. But before we get yeah. into that sort of stuff. Yeah. I want to share some priests because this is uh, share some priests share some stories <laughs> yeah about what got my brain going on this so there was a uh, a parishioner who was upset about something going on in the parish and there was a meeting in this group because he's part of the group of the parish and which was explained to him what we were doing why we were doing things and he would not listen and at the end of his comments he simply said i'm going to go to another diocese because they don't have any pedophile priests there. Oh my gosh. Now, this whole conversation had nothing to do with with that, but he mm-hmm. kind of threw that out there at the very end. It's kind of like a ha, gotcha kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was something that happened. Uh, another thing that happened online that same day, there was another priest mm-hmm. who just said, if the Holy Father isn't has an opinion about something, you don't need to freak out about it. Like if the yeah. Holy Father has an opinion about something, that's not this binding magisterial yeah. thing. And that he's and not going to drag the Holy Father online about it. No, no, right? he's not going to like just pop off comments about the yeah. Holy Father because that's not his place. Yeah. And he was called an abusive father for doing this. And there's a, and to use that language now, we know what you're saying. You can deny it all you want, but that's obviously linking to the abuse crisis, right? 
Um, another uh, sort of story that happened in my diocese, a pastor was sending out letters to parishioners who weren't in his parish boundaries, and there was no evidence they had been going to Mass for the last three years. And it was a letter saying, we're going to take you off the census and not have you as a registered parishioner. Mm-hmm. And it was a way of like just organizing things, because we've got new assignments, we're trying to figure out who we, who's going to church, who's not. And you can agree or disagree with what was done, mm-hmm. but this happened. And then this person went to the news yeah. saying how hurt and upset he was about this. Mm-hmm. Turns out he hasn't been going to that church or to mass um, for about three years, only yeah. Christmas and Easter here and there. Yeah. But painted himself as, or painted the, the pastor in the church as, you know, abusive. Yeah. And another story that, that changes a little bit. Someone came up to me and asked me about a priest who was wearing rose vestments recently. Mm-hmm. And the priest was wearing rose vestments recently in honor of breast cancer awareness. Okay. And this person asked me, like, what do I do about this? And I told this person, the first thing you have to do if you want to do something is the most difficult thing. And it'd be to request a meeting with that priest to ask him questions about what happened and to explain how you felt and how you reacted to it. If nothing happened after that, then you would go to the pastor because this priest wasn't the pastor. Mm-hmm. And after that, then maybe you can write a letter to the bishop. That would mm-hmm. be the way to go about mm-hmm. it. But it was difficult because this person was in the right. The priest was obviously in the wrong. Mm-hmm. So all this thing has got me thinking about what's going on with a lot. This is especially the rhetoric online, but I'm mm-hmm. seeing it in my parishes as well. Mm-hmm. And something has happened with particularly this scandal. And there's this idea that's out there that you can basically say anything about any priest right now. Mm-hmm. And because you've got this kind of vague justification of abuse, you can now, you don't have to hold back or have a certain respect for priests. I was at an ordination uh, just this past summer. And as we were going for the the kiss of peace during the ordination, all the priests kind of basically uh, give the newly ordained a big hug Mm -hmm. or a handshake if you don't know them super well or, you know, the the Roman kind of like hug thingy that we Mm -hmm. do. And I had this overwhelming feeling of how happy Jesus Christ was in that moment. And it was kind of this feeling like Christ was saying, these are my brothers I have chosen. And he had this experience of great joy in that moment. And I think we need to remember that even in the case of, of bad priests, and there are bad priests out there, priests have been chosen from the people by Jesus Christ with the church. They have been anointed Mm-hmm. And they are his brothers mm-hmm. in a particular way. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all related to Christ in a certain way, but in a particular way. Through their hands and through their actions and through their words, mm-hmm. they give us the sacraments. And there's something incredibly important about that. Mm-hmm. And along with that, there is a certain respect that's due, and not just respect, because these men have also given their lives to God and to his church, there should be a, a filial kind of like love there as right. well. Right. And a little bit of deference. And so this is not saying that you can't be friends with priests. Right. This is not saying that priests are above critique. But I think we need to talk about how a lot of us, even regular Catholics, have kind of lost this idea. Not everyone, but I've seen it enough. They've lost a kind of love and respect for priests. Right. So a couple things going through my head with that. Yeah. Um 
is the respect due to us because of what we've done to get into this position or is it due to the office like is the respect due to the office or to the person yeah i think it's i think it's a mix of those things okay so one i think there's a certain amount of respect due to anyone who especially in this climate especially in the last you know 20 years but at any t- point in time gives their life away to the church in this radical way mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. also for who they are ontologically right when they're when they celebrate the sacraments they are in the person of christ but also just through their being they bring christ to people in a particular way mm-hmm. that's why you want father at all your events right because he really is your father right and there's something about even the priest's presence that is sanctifying and important and comforting and brings with him god he brings right. with him god priest does this that's why we like to see priests wearing their clerics and even wearing a cassock because it's a reminder of who they are mm-hmm. right so i think it's yeah. both of those things okay. and then the third kind of respect the one that you have to earn is have you shown love to your people in your parish or right. in your assignments or in your right. religious order so that that's that's one there too i think part of where this is coming from is partially due to the scandal partially due to what i would call an unhealthy clericalism okay uh which is or sorry well clericalism is by its nature i guess unhealthy but anyways um uh, (laughs) this idea this authoritarian use of power right i'm the priest it's this way or and but not because there are times where a priest has to exercise authority that way but that should always be your last ditch effort Mm-hmm. Not your first. The problem is priests would often go around making that their modus operandi all the time. Yeah. Right? I'm the priest. This is just the way it is. Without listening, without dialogue, without, you know, etc. There are there are non-negotiables and everything, obviously, and all those caveats. But uh, but when priests abuse this authority, both in how they acted in general towards parishioners as pastors etc but also through stuff like the sex abuse crisis mm-hmm. you know you, you read some of these accounts and you think oh my gosh they're this is horrible um yeah. and they're abusing their office you can understand why people then they kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. yeah well this is what priests do when they have authority so we got to take it all away from them but it's interesting to me because when you read the saints, like when you read people like St. Ignatius or especially like St. Catherine of Siena, like I wish mm-hmm. people need to read her more. <laughs> they really need to read her more because she gets to the heart of it all. And she's, she doesn't care. She said, <laughs> I mean, she goes to, this is a, folks, this is a, this is rhetoric right here, by the way. Okay. okay. This is not her saying, um, this is the fact, but she says, even if the Pope was the devil incarnate, I would have to give him filial obedience. <laughs> That's intense. That's intense, right? But she's trying to get a point across. She's not being literal because that'll never happen, etc. Okay, she's trying to get this point that because of what Jesus has done to appoint bishops, priests, and the Pope and the Church, that they have an they do have an authority. I think. I mean, a lot of this has to do with the fact that we are deep down actually democratic in how we approach the Church, even if we say we're not. Yeah, I have a voice. I have an opinion, and that counts just as much as everyone else's. And I don't have to put up with someone's decision making or or whatever when they when they have when they act out of their their priesthood. But that's not the, the church isn't a democracy. No, nope. she should. Oh, you know, power in the church should always be exercised according to the mode that Jesus exercised it, which yes. at times was strict and stern, 
but often also had an element of listening, of compassion, of a walking with accompaniment, all that stuff. You need both. And they have to be, have this healthy relationship with each other. That's authentic priestly exercise of authority. But we, and I think part of the reason people struggle with that is they haven't experienced this. So when you get hurt enough by people, you can easily um, just throw it all out. And with the abuse stuff too, people are afraid that if we give this back to priests, will it happen again? Sure. Yeah, there is, I think, some misplaced anger here, but understandable anger. Yeah. Because yeah. even if you were, even if you weren't abused, this has affected you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more difficult to present yourself as a Catholic now. Uh, it's also like the fact that these priests, have, it's tough because m- most of the priests who have done these things are dead. Mm-hmm. And you're outraged by the horrible sin, you're outraged on behalf of um, the the survivors, and all that is, is normal and makes sense. But what do you do when there's no outlet for that anger? Mm-hmm. You kind of keep it up inside. And so then when you see a priest who does something that you think is wrong or just an opinion that's different or is doing something in the parish that's different, sometimes we let loose that anger upon them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I totally understand where the, the, the rad trads are coming from. Mm-hmm. I, I get that many of us were not given the fullness of the faith and we should have been. Mm-hmm. And so many people receive a deeper understanding or just a, a deeper glimpse into the depth of the faith and of the church and of her beauty and then feel betrayed that they didn't get it. Right. So now that that ingrains in them uh, a distrust, an inherent distrust. Mm-hmm. But the problem is then if you don't have that trust and respect and just to be honest, intellectual understanding mm-hmm. of what the church is and, and who she is and how she operates, then you become kind of your own magisterium judging priests and judging church teaching by mm. your own standards yeah. and this is this is a horrible thing that happens it happens a lot it does um it happens a lot it's like that's yeah sorry because there's because in that case there's no chance for conversion of heart mm-hmm. because there's nobody who can give you an opinion that's different than yours or point out maybe a flaw or point out an, a misunderstanding of reasoning or a an attitude that is unhelpful, you're not going to listen to any of that mm-hmm. because you are already set in your ways and you'll only listen to people who agree with you. Mm-hmm. And this creates like really hardness of hearts, uh, stiffness of neck. Like it, it's, I understand how people got to that place, but that is not a Catholic place to be in. You can't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. And so, this, I mean, this doesn't even happen to just rad rats, just good people who like mm-hmm. freak out about why can't I ever get a good homily? Right. Or why is every parish I go to, there's felt banners? Like I understand that anger deeply i felt it myself but you can't then take every priest and just separate them into camps because this is what happened to you you talked about something with a little bit of nuance Mm -hmm. that wasn't the party line and so immediately put people put you in a camp or in an understanding that is not who you are at all right and if they had any kind of like respect or at least um what's the word i'm looking for um, just deference? deferring to you a little, deference? yeah, deference, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, okay, what is this person actually saying? How has he talked beforehand? Right. If I'm confused, can I approach this person in a way to help clarify something? Mm-hmm. But that wasn't done because no. of that inherent lack for the office and who you are. Yeah. Like, I'll give you actually an example. Uh, on Sunday, I said I said something a little snip. I sent out a tweet. People weren't responding to it the way I thought they would. Um, or like they weren't responding with, with to the question in a way I thought they would, and 
I got snippy in my thing. Like, oh, people are just kind of throwing what they want to say instead of what I instead of what I'm actually asking. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, someone yeah. DM'd me and he said, you know, Father, is that really charitable? And it took I, I was uh, it kind of hit stung a little bit when I saw that, so it took me a little bit to respond. But right. eventually, I was like, no, you're right, and I deleted it. And and I but I appreciated it. He he came to me, he DM'd me, and he said, is this really okay? And I and I was like, no, do what? It's not. But that was I think that was a good form of, of fraternal correction it was a good form of of charity to sh- and deference to say and i would i would hopefully do the same you know i've done the same thing too in the priest dm or whatever hey guys yep. like should this be happening but i'm not gonna or i struggle with this this is why and i get like i'm a passionate guy so like i get i wear my 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 emotions on my sleeve when i'm talking online mm-hmm but I will always try to show deference even to brother priests, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because it's deserved you to, just because I've sacrificed, it doesn't mean I shouldn't offer deference to you. And and I try to offer deference to my bishop, et cetera, because he deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. And this is not to say like you absolutely as a lay person have a moral obligation to fraternally correct priests when you think something is wrong. Yeah. Especially so if it's part- like a grave moral evil, you have right. ev- not only should you, you ought to. Exactly. But we also have to make a differentiation between a grave moral evil and e- your opinion about something. Mm-hmm. And even if your opinion differs, like I, I, it's incredibly helpful to tell the priest what you're thinking about things. Because mm-hmm. the priest wants to know his people, because he mm-hmm. wants to know how best to love them. And also uh, different... Um, like we we don't always have all the answers. Like uh, someone brought up some some suggestions for uh, our youth program to one of the staff members the other day, and they were great ideas. And I wish we I wish we knew about them before we started doing what we're doing. But now like stuff is in play and we're doing it, so we have to kind of you know go with it now. So like that information is helpful. So going back to like the the synodality thing, there's those exercises aren't like meant to be vain fruitless things. It's helpful to get more voices and more perspectives. Now, not all of those voices and not all of those perspectives will be indulged. Absolutely not. But it's important to have that information. So this is something I was, I was checking out uh, good old-fashioned Thomas Aquinas because mm-hmm. we haven't actually quoted him in a long time, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he says that absolutely um, a layperson can and should um, fraternally correct a prelate. He does make a distinction, though. Okay. Which I found very interesting that it's not the job of a layperson to punish a prelate. Right. That's not his office right. or her office. Right. Uh, and that, I think that goes back to the way the church is structured is that priests and bishops have governing power. Yeah. That lay people do not. Yeah. And that is linked to the ontological change that's linked to what we do in the sacraments in a way that I can't fully flesh out, but there's something there right. how that works. Yeah. Well, it's also just, but, uh, yeah, it, it would just be an element of law too, right? So. Yeah. It's also, yeah, just how yeah. we said law. Yeah. Uh, but the way, um, blah, 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 blah. oh, because he talks about basically, if you, want, if you want to do something virtuous, you have to do it in a virtuous way. Right. So this is, I tweeted this out earlier, but I, I just want to read it now. Since, however, virtuous acts needs be needs to be moderated by due circumstances it follows that when a subject corrects his prelate he ought to do so in a becoming manner not with imprudence and harshness 
but with gentleness and respect. Hence the apostle says in 1 Timothy, an ancient man rebuke not, but entreat him as a father. Yeah. Wherefore Dionysius finds fault with the monk Demophilus for rebuking a priest with insolence by striking and turning him out of the church. And so that, like, that quote just popped up because like how much of that happens on Twitter? So th- there's a lot of pastoral prudence in this, mm-hmm. not just um, what you should do on a theological sort of sense. But if your care for this person is their greater good, if it's coming from a place of charity, how is your correction going to be framed? Yeah. And what often happens with correction is it's not about the other person at all. It becomes self-indulgent. Yeah. It becomes about your own uh, hatred mm-hmm. and your own issues. Yeah. And there's no care for the person. So yeah. when you're just like, because the temptation is to be like, you know what? It's our duty to fraternally correct. And Jesus wasn't nice. And harsh truths are harsh truths. And those things are true, right? But they're not the issue with you, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. The issue is you don't actually care enough of that person to carry this little cross of patience, mm-hmm. to carry this little cross of taking a deep breath, to carry this little cross of how can I best talk to this person or communicate with this person in a way that will help them grow closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. Like once again, it becomes not about Jesus Christ, not about loving of the other, but this weird self-indulgent yeah. thing that like yeah. I've, I've done before, we're all tempted yeah. to do. But what happens so much on online discourse is that we forget that all these things first and foremost are matters of the heart. So where is my heart in this? Yeah. And if I'm not really honest and really humble about that, I'm going to cause more damage than good. Yeah. So two things. First is a phrase I like to often throw out is that we should always speak the truth in a beautiful way for the good of the other. Right? Yeah, I like that. That That's always, because uh, you can't, truth without beauty and goodness becomes a hammer that is too severe uh, that will break the wood as it's hammering the nail in, right? It needs the it needs the care of gentleness, and it needs the form uh, of the structure to be Im- implemented to to have its full effect. So you need all three things: truth, beauty, and goodness. When we're communicating, it is an absolute absolute priority. Um, and there was another thing. What was your last point again? Uh, the last point of the quotes. No, or... that you just said. Before. Oh, that will do more harm than good if we're not uh, aware of what's going on oh, in our own yes. hearts. Yeah, because I think that's I think that's a really important point, and it's something I'm starting to notice more and more is we often aren't speaking about a care for truth. It's often a spiritual thing in our own heart. Mm-hmm. It, it it's our words can easily reveal where our heart is in that moment, and. You know, people can see through that, right? Yeah. Um, and if I'm, so you have to be, you have to ask yourself, why do you feel this? And they'll say, well, because the truth is what matters. I'm like, well, it does matter. But remember, truth is not an idea. Truth is a person. Mm-hmm. And so if you approach the truth as an idea, then you're not going to approach it with the tender love and care that comes with from a personal relationship. Right. Um, but for the Christian, the truth is not an idea, it's a person. And so that means we need to approach proclaiming that truth in a personal way as well. Otherwise, uh, we're going to do more harm than good in proclaiming that gospel and good news to others. Yeah. And there's just some other difficulties with this because... I know it is difficult to approach your priest. First of all, any kind of confrontation, we tend not to be good at. 
mm-hmm. um, especially in, in church culture. We're not good at confrontation about having difficult conversations that need to happen. Mm-hmm. Instead, we go to other people and this is this is the problem. But I know it's difficult because the priest, there is still some understanding of the priest is an authority and mm-hmm. there is a fear of going face to face with an authority and saying something that he might not like to hear. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, uh, Thomas's quote of, of Timothy is so important. An ancient man rebuke not, but entreat him as a father. And that's the relationship that has to happen in the church. Yeah. So even though uh, it's important to have a certain amount of respect for a priest for what he's sacrificed, respect and love for a priest for who he is, it is the priest's job to, as much as he can, to show his people that he is a loving father. Yeah. And, and if you're going to this priest knowing that he's a loving father, it's much easier to then speak to him about difficult things. Yeah. And I think that's, that's important because like where we as priests would have to deal with this is like if you're an associate talking to a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Or talking to your bishop or a vicar general or whatever. We, we too need to have a certain deference um, and to gently say, you know, you know, like if a bishop says something, because like when, especially when a bishop's with his priest, he's going to speak more frankly and candidly than he might in public. And you might say, oh, bishop, that doesn't make sense. But if you can say it from a place of, you know, bishop, I hear what you're trying to say. Is this what you're trying to say? And that could be, that can that can do such a good for your relationship with your bishop. It can, mm-hmm. it also builds up the presbyterate to correct guys who want to give that more gut reaction to say, oh, I can't believe the bishop just said this. You could say, well, let's try and, let's try and find the goodwill in this. Yeah. Um, because the majority of the bishops, the majority of them aren't out there to change the church. They're there yeah. to be faithful servants too. And they're, but they're human as well and they'll make mistakes as well. So if we can find ways of correction that are, I seek your good, that is, that should always be the question when we're speaking in fraternal correction, because mm-hmm. that is what charity wants to seek. <laughs> that is like, the, yeah. that, that's actually the heart of charity. I desire your good over mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is charity. That is the definition. Um, that ought to be at the heart of our discourse. We're all not going to do it. Perf- I do not do it perfectly. Right. But I try to. <laughs> And I want yeah. to, and I want to grow in that. And if we can all take that seriously more, um, that will do a a load of good in our conversations with others, et cetera. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's not this, this is not simply an issue between laity and right. priests. It's also an issue between priests and their bishops yeah. right now. Because a lot of priests are very angry at their bishops. And how we relate uh, to the Pope. Yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's difficult, like when a when you have a gathering of priests. Um, a lot of times, we have gatherings of priests. There's a comment, you know, made by either the bishop or someone speaking before him. They're like, "Hey, can we kind of keep this confidential so we can speak honestly?" And some guys are insulted by that. Mm. But also, the truth is that there's someone else on his phone, some of the priest on his phone, who's either emailing it or contacting the news or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And there's no opportunity for honest conversation. So what you have in that climate is everyone is on the defensive. No one can be honest, and we can't get to the heart of whatever issue it is we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be respect and and um, a love for your bishop also as as father as well. Absolutely. Um, and be able to talk honestly with him. Because yeah. uh, a lot of times the people who talk... <laughs> The most honestly with the bishop are the ones that are just super pissed off and are just yelling at him. And yeah, yeah. there's uh, there's honesty there, which is g- good on some level. But how is how can you possibly expect the bishop to hear you in that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, just look at your own experiences and how well do you receive a truth when someone's just yelling at you? Yeah. N- 
because like again sometimes anger can have it ang- i mean even anger can be a virtue it's not a anger is not yeah. in and of itself always a sin right but it it comes from a place of love like if if you're out doing something stupid um as a teenager and your parents call you in to the house and they and they or the next morning or whatever and they they sit you down and they're visibly angry because they know you were out drinking last night when you shouldn't be mm-hmm. their anger is is coming from a place of love and that has a lot more effect but if it's anger for its own sake and not out of a place of love for the person then it's going to bear no fruit and it's only mm-hmm. going to create more division rather than a communion because that yeah. that is at the heart of everything we need to seek communion with each other yep and it's not to say like i've received some really wonderful support from either emails or other parishioners talking to me uh absolutely like yeah, there's absolutely. still it's not like everyone hates priests or anything but this is something that that kind of might be sneaking into some people's hearts and is definitely overtaking other people's hearts and i think and i think too again well a we have a lot of people who've become converts in the church so this whole mm-hmm. mentality is totally foreign and oh, right, a yeah. whole and really you have a whole generation or two that was formed to say oh, that's not father harrison that's just harrison yeah right so you don't have the fatherly role in the life of a parish either so you have all these things building up together and it takes a lot of patience to want to love people in that yeah because that's the other thing i still have to love them even if they're not going to show me love Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what we were ordained to do: yeah. is to to love <laughs> love people, even if they're yeah uh, yeah annoying. Yeah, um, yeah. Good. You got cool. anything else? No, I'm good. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That was nice. I think yeah, I, I think that was go. good. I think it was good. Okay. Let's talk about how good we were as we end the podcast, just in case the people were unconvinced. Don't worry, it was really good. It was really good. It was good. Uh, but also, please consider donating to our Patreon. Money goes to paying for our equipment and podcast hosting fees, as well as paying producer Nick a just wage for all the work he does. Any money collected that goes beyond that will be donated to the Missionaries of Charity. If you donate, you get access to producer Nick to the producer Nick podcast, where he reviews and ridicules our episodes and we are going to get some more of those episodes up uh there's been a little bit of transition and stuff and also we're going to have a a conversation um that i think is important because as the podcast grows um it's hard for us to do podcasty things that other people who do this more full-time do so we apologize for that but that's kind of the nature of of what we're doing like emails (laughs) yeah (laughs) and we can do a better job but also we're not going to be able to give the full attention to this thing because yeah Man, even just scheduling this stuff with this four-hour time difference is three hours is tough. But we're gonna get back three hours. Yeah. See, I it's so difficult because I can't even do math. Yeah. But we're gonna try to get back on track a little bit with we some are. of that stuff. We are. It's just it's it's a transition. I think for a lot of people, like this is your first full year now as like a one parish, right? Yes, it is. For me, I just started my doctoral studies, right? Yeah. So I'm and I have to schedule out two to three hours a day to do that, and. And I still have pastoral stuff and diocesan stuff. And Nick just got engaged and transitioned to a new job. So everyone's, but we want to make sure we continue to do this as well. Like Father Anthony and I just sat down last night and looked at the calendar for the next three months so we can make sure it just gets scheduled. Otherwise, uh, otherwise there would have been weeks without a podcast if we left it to the last minute scheduling. <laughs> <It's> very true. <laughs> so thanks, guys, yeah. and thanks for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says that we must love our enemies. You can find me at Father Sharapa on Twitter. You can find me at Fr Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Peace. God bless.